Welcome to the Highland Southern Baptist Podcast. Each week, Keith Perrin will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message. If you have a Bible, you can read along with us. Our mission is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ from Hillsboro, Missouri to the rest of the world. Now, here's Pastor Keith. All right, the main meat of the message is going to be Galatians chapter 5 today. Galatians chapter 5. I've had several uh, weeks where we talked about Christian character, and last week was kind of the uh, the consequences of lacking Christian character. <clears throat> this week, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the blessings that come as a result of Christian character. Now, um, it's important for us to understand in this passage of Scripture, as well as uh, it's peppered throughout all of Scripture, that... Um, Christian character really accomplishes one purpose. And that purpose is um, the gospel. Now, the gospel, not in the sense of just the gospel message of Jesus Christ's perfect life, death, burial, and resurrection, but the gospel that is every situation in life that we implement God's word. Knowledge is important. Last week, we talked about the difference between knowledge and true knowledge. Um, The benefits of Christian character um is the entire purpose behind the holy spirit the holy spirit who gives us the fruits of the spirit those uh fruits are extremely beneficial when it comes to what it is that each and every one of us were called to jesus to accomplish in the first place which is to bring the light into darkness to bring life into death uh to bring joy into chaos um and Jesus, in in uh, the Gospel according to Luke chapter 14, and I'm just going to read a couple of these verses out of Luke. We are going to be in Galatians. In Luke chapter 14, uh, starting with verse 26, he says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And he continues on with some story, with uh, with a couple of examples of stories in this. And then uh, and then he said in 33, So therefore no one of you can be my disciple who does not give up all of his own possessions. Now the entire purpose behind Jesus giving this instruction was for people to understand that there is nothing more important or should be nothing more important than Christ. And Christ is to be made the most important, um, not just because he's worthy of it, but it actually has a purpose. And uh, we're going to get into what some of those purposes actually are in this passage of scripture a little background on galatians an interesting fact did you know that the letter to the church in galatia is the only church epistle that paul did not offer one commendation now a commendation is where he always points out their strong points he always uh, talks about what they're good at The book of Galatians is the only church epistle that the Apostle Paul wrote that doesn't have one commendation in it. Now what that tells us is it tells us how the Apostle Paul was actually approaching the circumstances in this church. Now, it's important for us to understand that although they they suffered quite a few um, challenges within this church, their greatest challenge was the Jews... Um, who uh, were teaching Judaism, what they were taking, they were trying to take Judaism and Christianity and blend the two things together. 
and they were teaching the Gentiles, people who were not Jews, because you got to remember at this point, Jews are leaving Judaism and they're and they're joining the Christian faith, faith in Christ. So um, the the Jews, up until the point that they actually started bleeding out members, the Jews were very exclusive. They would not allow, uh, not only could a Gentile not join the church, but the Jews could get in trouble for talking to a Gentile. Uh, they could be excommunicated from the Judaist church if they were caught communicating uh, uh, contrary to what they considered to be the law. But when their culture had started infusing Christianity into it and the Jews were beginning to join Christianity by the droves, there were individuals who were within the church in Galatia who sought to mix um, the legalism of the law and Christianity. And they were teaching things like, if you're not circumcised, you can't be a Christian. In order for you to be a Christian, you must be circumcised. In order for you to be a Christian, you must follow um, the mandates of the law. Um, and they used all kinds of arguments and justifications to try to force people to fuse Christianity and legalism together. Now, that brings us to what the real problem is with legalism. Legalism is selfish. The only thing that legalism accomplishes is a point of pride for the individual who lives the lifestyle that fulfills the law, which we know how possible is it to fulfill the law. It's impossible for us. That's why the requirement for fulfilling the law was Jesus, who came to earth, lived the perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, and rose from the grave three days later. So that's the struggle in this church. The problem with it is it's selfish. Coincidentally, what do you think the problem is with unrighteousness? It's the exact same thing. It's selfishness. Unrighteousness is selfish. A rapist rapes because they get some sick satisfaction out of it. A thief steals because they benefit from it. A liar lies because they, they benefit from it. A cheat cheats because he benefits from it. Unrighteousness, unrighteousness is absolutely selfish. In Galatians chapter 5, and I'm going to read starting with verse 1, and I'll, I'll uh, stop in a couple places along here. He says in uh, chapter 5, verse 1, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be sub subject again to a yoke of slavery. In, in this particular verse, before we, before we go any further, in this particular ver verse, he says specifically, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. And him talking about us not returning or being subject to, again, to a yoke of slavery, well, he's referring directly to that law, the law that was binding people down, the law that was telling individuals that this is what you have to do. There's a difference between doing what we have to do and doing what we should do. There's a difference. Um, if, if somebody gave me a list, a list of conduct and they said specific things that I was responsible for, then I'm off the hook for doing anything they wasn't specific with, right? Christianity is completely the opposite of that. 
Jesus Christ seeks to change the heart, and when he changes the heart, then every circumstance is an opportunity. It's not a matter of, um, I have a buddy that <clears throat> that works for a church that, uh, <clears throat> not a Southern Baptist church, but he works for a church that tells him that his hours are 8 to 4.30. Um, 8 to 4.30, well, he says, okay, my hours are 8 to 4.30, they're 8 to 4.30. What do you think that he does when they call him at 5 o'clock? I mean, he's 8 to 4.30, right? A pastor is supposed to be 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Never unavailable. So um, I've always had an issue, and, and uh, not that I've ever had that issue here because it's never been one that has, that has arisen, but I've always had an issue, and I don't think they're all bad, so don't get me wrong, but I've had an issue with job descriptions. When I worked at Jefferson Baptist Association, they had a job description. And uh, and basically, they had a job description for basically five different responsibilities. When they hired me as their director of student ministries, all five of those responsibilities became mine. So you could take all of these, um, you could take all of these personnel requirements and put them into one, one hat, and that was my responsibility. How long do you think that that lasted? It doesn't last very long. Why? Because job descriptions tie somebody down. Job descriptions say this is what your responsibilities are, and they do not give you instructions on operating outside of those responsibilities. I understand that in some jobs, in some specific vocations, that job descriptions are necessary. I understand that. But folks, there is no specific job description for a Christian. Nobody could plan if I go to the store this week and there's an opportunity that pops up. Nobody can plan for the person that may call at 1 o'clock in the morning and need counsel. Nobody can plan for those things. And we as Christians have to realize that if we're going to be people who follow the law, then we are limiting ourselves to what the law permits for our sakes. It completely misses the mark because it should be doing what we are doing for the sake of others and not for the sake of ourselves. So when he said in uh, when he said in this in this first verse not being subject again to a yoke of slavery um the yoke what's a yoke what's a yoke intended for A yoke was placed around the neck of an ox and that ox only had permission to go where the driver would send it Well did you know that how many how many of us in the world are selfish? Let's just make it universal. All of us are. All of us are. Now some of us may recognize that and we beat it back more than others um and some people beat it back less than others but the fact of the matter is by nature we are selfish individuals. Um so if if we were individuals who were going to be directed by the law then we would we would look to satisfy the law and not look beyond it. We satisfy the law, we satisfy ourselves. Um, do not become subject again to that yoke of slavery that says, this is what you're required to do. Um, I could go a whole lot longer on that one verse, uh, but I'll hit on some of that stuff going through here. So verse 2. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. 
And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by law, you have, a fa- you have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. <clears throat> for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. Faith working through love. This isn't love working through faith. This says faith working through love. So, um, we cannot be people who are controlled by emotions. We have to be people who are controlled by God, and in being controlled by God, making sure that our motivations are love. Our faith in Christ drives what we do, or should be. We shouldn't be doing things because it's a list of things to do. We should be loving the Lord, knowing that the result of this, what the result of that is. Loving the Lord. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You see, the, keeping the commandments is the result of the love. It, the love is not the result of keeping the commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. This goes right back to the passage of Scripture I read a while ago in Luke chapter 14, where Jesus talked about the people who could not be his disciple. We're going to get into, more specifically, the benefits of the fruit of the Spirit in a little bit. But I want to use one example that he used in that particular passage of Scripture, where he said that we are not supposed to love anybody. matter of fact, he said that by comparison, the love we have for Christ should appear to be hate when it comes to the comparison with human beings. And I've mentioned before, I maybe even mentioned a little bit last week when we was talking about the consequences of a lack. But in our relationships with people, if we love people first, then we're going to love them the only way a human being can. Fallen. Fallible. But if we love Jesus first, then it's our faith through love when we actually have Um, Jesus Christ provoking those relationships. Women, would you rather a man treat you like a man wants to treat you or treat you like Jesus wants the man to treat you? And the answer is the same way for men. When we are individuals and we give heed to Christ, then Christ, the result of this relationship with Christ, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the result of that is is character or righteousness and the result of righteousness is we love people the way that people that god wants us to love people we don't love people according to the way that we want to love people because every one of us every one of us that are in here in the parking lot everyone who watches us on facebook anyone who may hear it on the podcast the fact is we are really good at determining who's worthy of our love If we're determining who's worthy of our love, or God is determining who is worthy of our love, are those two different pictures? You better believe they are. They are two completely different pictures. Keep that in mind. Verse 5, For we through the Spirit by faith are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision mean anything but faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. 
A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. I have confidence in, in, in you, in the Lord, that you will adopt no other view, but the one who is disturbing you shall bear his judgment wherever he is, or whoever he is. But I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why am I, why am I still persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. Would that those who are troubling you even mutilate themselves. So Paul was being attacked constantly by individuals who were Jews. And he was being attacked because um, they believed that he was um, sword, rejecting circumcision. Well, Paul, I mean, he, he kind of sounds like he's talking back and forth because at the beginning he said that if you're circumcised, you have no, you have nothing to do with God, paraphrasing. And then he turned around and said, whether you're circumcised or not, it means nothing. So what he's basically, what he's basically saying here is, I haven't condemned circumcision. I've, con- I've condemned salvation through circumcision. Or I've condemned salvation through the law. But he says, I haven't condemned circumcision. Why do you still seek to attack me? And then, that seems wrong for him to say something about people mutilating themselves, right? How many of you guys have ever heard the phrase, give them enough rope to hang themselves? The fact is, folks, if we're fallen individuals, and I believe that all of us have lived stints in our life that were apart from Christ, you know as well as I do that if we had continued to make our own choices and continued to act according to our own desires, that we would be in a whole different place than we are right now. Some of us, including me, even hell. Because I said when I was very young that I wouldn't live to see the age of 40. The day that I come to realize that the things that I put my body through, the things that I put myself through when I was younger, were going to carry consequences. And I'm sure that they will still carry consequences. But I believe wholeheartedly that that uh, my death before 40 was something that turned simply because of the fact that Jesus called me to him. The lifestyle changes, even though I'm not a perfect person, the lifestyle changes that he called, called me into, those things had an effect on extending my life on earth i believe those things to be a fact i know that my end would have been much different had i been someone who rejected christ verse 13 says for you were called to freedom brethren only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another for the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no mistake when Jesus Christ was asked what the most important commandment was, what did Jesus say? He didn't give one, he gave two. But in the two, he gave one. Sound confusing? And you can test me on this, and I've had some people question this, but I'm telling you that telling you that the two that Jesus gave, the two that he gave were equals. Remember the first one? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
And then when you look that up in the passage of Scripture, here's what it says right after that. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. You can break the Ten Commandments down in two categories. Half of them have to do with our relationship with God. The other half of them have to do with our relationship with others. I'll say this just as a little extra. The Ten Commandments weren't given to us to follow. Yep, I stood up here and said it. The Ten Commandments were not given to us to follow. The Ten Commandments were given to us to prove to us that we can't follow. Because if we believed we could follow the Ten Commandments, then where's the need for Christ? The Ten Commandments proved that we are lawbreakers by nature. That we are not righteous as God requires righteousness in order to be in His presence. The law, without it, none of us would know that we were broken. With it, all of us know that we're broken. With the law and the realization that all of us are broken, came the obvious need for Christ in each and every one of our lives to make up for where we fell short. His imputed righteousness. The love that He has for us and showed to us through His life, death, burial, and resurrection. Verse 15 says, But if you bite and devour one another, take care lest you be consumed by one another. Bite and devour one another. This is a reference to the animal kingdom. He's actually given us an explanation of what animals do. Can anybody give me an example of an animal that attacks another animal for no reason? Let's look at the wolf. There are fights within every wolf pack. Why? Dominance. One of them wants to be the alpha. One of them wants to be the alpha. One of them wants to be the top dog. One of the funniest things I've ever seen was two squirrels fight over a nut. I mean, there are thousands of nuts on the ground. I don't know what was so special about that one nut. The funniest thing I've ever seen was two squirrels fighting over a nut. Why were they fighting? Well, apparently they both wanted that nut. And only one of them was going to walk away uh, victorious. Deer season. One of the most amazing things that I've ever seen. And if you ever get the chance to see it in real life, I mean, it is, it's almost frightening to watch. Two bucks with, with gigantic racks. Locking horns pushing each other around, flipping each other into the dirt, sticking their horns in each other's flesh. It is just this massive all-out brawl. What are they fighting for? Fighting for the doves. 
what in the animal kingdom does an animal fight for that is not personally satisfying? He keeps hitting this over and over, folks. What example do we have in Christ of his self-preservation when it came to the price he paid for each and every one of us? In that entire experience, did he fight for the top of the totem pole? He willingly put himself at the bottom of the totem pole. The book of Hebrews records for us that he was made a little lower than the angels. As a human being, the second person of the Trinity had no more authority than an angel, had less authority than an angel. Do you think that he was forced to do that? Or do you think that he did it willingly? He did it willingly. And you know why? Not because he benefited from being beat half to death, but because we benefited from him being beat half to death. For it was by his stripes that we were healed. There is no example in Scripture whatsoever that justifies personal benefit in any act that we may accomplish. Not one. At least, not not that was blessed by God. Verse uh, <clears throat> Sorry. Verse 16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. That's a huge statement. Because the reality is, folks, we like to do the things that we please. We make very real choices every day of our life. And I want to ask you this question, and I want you to answer it. Not Don't answer me. I want you to answer the Lord, because this message is His. How many times in a day do you make choices that please you? versus making choices that please God. God help us. We are an absolutely selfish people. Verse 18 says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You know what every one of them things in that list have in common? For our satisfaction, 
they hurt others. For our satisfaction, those things hurt others. We can all draw our minds back to a point in time in our life where we did the things we wanted to do for our own satisfaction with no second thought about how those decisions affected other people. This is not supposed to be the people that we are. As new a new creation, we have been called in Christ to be something different. And the only way the church benefits, and the only way the lost benefit, and the only way every person we come across benefits is if we become people who are led by the Spirit and not led by the flesh. Heard it explained before is every one of us inside of us as believers, we have the lamb, but we also have a wolf. And every decision that we make, one of those two overpower the other. Do you know what determines the winner? Which one do we feed? Feed the wolf. The wolf will stay strong. Feed the sheep. The sheep will stay strong. The Spirit encourages us to study, encourages us to listen to God and who He is, to His leadership and His instruction. If we feed the sheep, the sheep will overpower the wolf. And then I want to take just a few minutes looking at these. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these, there is no law. You know why there is no law against those things? Because those things benefit others. Love, that's an obvious one. Joy, How many of you guys have ever been around the people who are less than joyful? If you had the opportunity to work around someone who was happy, positive, all day long, and someone who was unhappy and negative all day long, which two which of the two would you prefer? Of course, happy and positive, right? I mean, I've come across a few people in my life who were so happy they were aggravating. But even though I was aggravated at them, there was still that buried down deep feeling of I really wish that I had just a teaspoon of what they had. Hopefully it wasn't cough syrup. I have a friend by the name of Al Gross taught his kids during um, during their youth years over at Pilgrim's Rest and 
Um, he was on a radio station in St. Louis, 6.30 a.m., and it was actually called Talk Radio That Hell Hates. And uh, Tim and Al, um, and they would... Um, have a lady that was on the show before them and me driving to Bridgeton at that time as a bivocational minister driving to Bridgeton to drive a truck I, I got in the car early enough that I got to listen to the program before theirs and this lady's name was Deborah Peppers and I mean five o'clock in the morning who likes getting up at five o'clock in the morning I know some older people who do. I can tell you now that when I was driving a truck in my 20s, 5 o'clock in the morning was not a great get up and start time. It was not. And I would get in the car and I would start it up and I would turn the radio station to 6.30 a.m. and there is Deborah Peppers. And this woman was so happy that I, if I could reach through the radio and strangle her, I just might have done it. Nobody is that happy at 5 o'clock in the morning. Nobody. The truth is, I would much rather have started my day listening to Deborah Peppers than listen to some of these people who can take the air out of a balloon in an instant. Crabby people make people crabby. Amen? Happy people at least provide a much easier opportunity for everybody to be happy. Mike Bingman has a picture on his website, if you've ever seen, or on his Facebook page. That picture is, is of a gorilla. And uh, it, it almost looks like a Bigfoot. Um, there's actually a poster that has that picture on it. And a great big smile on its face. And it said, smile at someone today. It's contagious. Did you ever notice when you're walking through Walmart, if you smile at somebody, almost every time they smile back? In some cases, people have a really guilty conscience. You smile at them, they start looking at, they'll make sure their flies zipped up, <laughs> checking. <laughs> but in most cases, they smile back at you. Because it's contagious. Joy is something that's necessary in the world we live in. Did you know that joy gives people hope? Peace? I can tell you my entire household benefits from me living in a position of peace. And mamas, the whole household benefits when you're in a position of peace, too. Because if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Patience. Did you know that patience provokes opportunity? Did you hear that? How, how long do we go before we give up? Nothing good has ever happened from somebody giving up. I quit. Never did accomplish anything. 
kindness. This is different than joy. This is not so much what we feel inside as much as what we express outside. When the person shows you the international symbol of peace at a stop sign, try not responding back in an unchristlike manner. Waving's okay, as long as it's not sarcastic. I've been there. They show you the international symbol of peace in you. When the truth is, if I was being honest, that was my little way of saying this is the only way Jesus will let me poke you back real quick before you are out of sight again. Goodness. What's the difference between kindness and goodness? Kindness is the way we treat someone. It's the way we act towards someone. Goodness is what we give someone. Kindness is saying hi to someone, blessing their day, have a nice day. Goodness doesn't just say have a good day, but it helps the person lift the object that's too heavy for them to lift in the back of their car. Or it's reaching something on the top shelf that somebody else can't because they're They are, well, there's a, for some reason something popped into my head that kind of made me smile. Longitude challenged, I guess, maybe. (laughs) If we're good to people, being good to people is tangible. If we're being honest, kindness is easy. To smile at someone, say have a nice day, and then walk walk away. Goodness is, what can I physically do to help you? Faithfulness. What's the benefit to others on faithfulness? This is something I've struggled with from time to time, not on purpose but I'll be honest enough to tell you that I've struggled with it. Faithfulness is the ability to follow through. Nobody intends to be less than faithful. But it's not enough to have good intentions. The road to hell was paved with good intentions. We have to be people who are always striving to follow through. Gentleness. Did you ever try to breathe gentle even when the circumstance didn't call for it? I've witnessed some crazy things in my lifetime. And what make them unique is they were in ministry. It was one individuals I keep thinking my battery goes dead. It's when individuals say things that are completely and totally off the wall that have nothing but a negative effect on the other individuals. And whether it's saying it or doing it, intentionally or unintentionally, 
This is why discernment's important. Gentleness. How many of you guys like to walk on eggshells? I'm going to throw something at you that I want you to chew on this afternoon. How often should we want to walk on eggshells? All the time. Why? Because what we say and how we say it can have very real bad consequences. It can carry severe consequences. I've seen a lack of gentleness drive people from the church. I've seen a lack of gentleness drive people away from Calvary. I've seen a lack of gentleness destroy relationships. To feel like we're walking on eggshells? I mean, in reality, what does that mean? It means if I'm not very careful and watch very carefully, I'm going to find myself in trouble. But we shouldn't be so concerned about ourselves as we are about the others that we're affecting by what we say and what we do. Self-control. That's an easy one. You ever come across somebody that you wanted to choke? But you didn't? Or that person at the stoplight? The human reaction? the self-satisfying reaction to come out one above that urge to show the international symbol, symbol of peace back. I told this story before with a college student. We were on our way to a college retreat when I was over at the uh, Baptist Student Union in, in, uh, at Jeffco. And uh, because we were in a church van, People just would drive by and they would flip us off just to flip us off. So I see this college student in the back and he's ripping the paper out out of the out of these books. And I kept seeing him throw something out the window. I'm like, dude, you're gonna get me in trouble. I said, you're, you're littering. And he goes, no, I'm not. I'm flipping him the bird. He was folding origami birds, and every time somebody would flip him off, he would flip one out the window. <laughs> said he was flipping him the bird. He was a pretty funny. I need to write a book sometime. Self-control prevents us from carrying out the satisfaction of the flesh, which in turn benefits those who are around us. I'm trying to hurry hurry through this. I, I promise I'm almost done. Against such things there is no law. Character will give you a marriage relationship like no other resource can. Christian character will make a church stronger than anything else can. Please remembering, where does that character come from? The Holy Spirit. How do we get the Holy Spirit? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The things I've preached on in the past weeks, True knowledge, studying the Bible, prayer, not self-centered, but the kind where you go into a closet and it's between you and God, clean on ourselves up when we suffer, when we fast, 
when we give, giving according to what God asks and not according to what satisfies us. Too many times in everything that we do, we look at how that's going to hurt or help us. We're looking at it completely backwards. Because everything we do in Christian character, we should be more centered on hurting and helping others. If it's going to hurt them, we don't do it. If it's going to help them, we do it. Regardless of the cost. Regardless of the cost. You want a happy marriage? Christ-centered, charactered marriage. You want good relationships? Employment? Life in general? Not only, folks, are we supposed to be doing this for others, but others are supposed to be doing this for us too. And if a church can grasp a hold of that and can implement it, then the church will be sustained by the body. And that's the way that's supposed to be. I get it. Especially you guys. You want to take care of yourself. Not the way it's supposed to be. Because as long as you're taking care of yourself, you're not taking care of me. And if I'm taking care of myself, I'm not taking care of you. If the lost are going to be saved, if those who are saved, who know Jesus, will know him more, it will only come through the character that is provided through the Holy Spirit that was given by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ, um, if you're watching from Facebook, listening on a podcast, you've never given your life to Christ, um, I want you to know that, that that is something that there is no restrictions to. If if you have the ability to uh, to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, you're admitting that you're broken, uh, that you believe that he came to earth, lived the perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, and was our substitute for the payment of death, then you will be saved. If you have any questions, if you want to talk to me at any point in time, my phone number, 636-208-0072, please call. I would love to take the time to talk to you, however long that it may take, answer any questions that you may have. Um, if you're here today and you would like to talk, I'll take the time to talk to you today. If the Holy Spirit moves you, all I can ask is that you move. If you're here today and you're a believer, I realize and trust that every desire and bone in your body is to become more like Christ. And my hope is in this message today and the message message is past, my hope is for you to realize that even though we have a desire, every one of us as fallen human beings always have a long way to go. And we have to keep being individuals who are keeping the relationship with Jesus strong, who are seeking to know the true knowledge, who have a desire to be what Jesus Christ has called us to be, understanding that that's going to come with a cost, but with the cost will also be a blessing to those who are recipients. Just listen to the Holy Spirit today. Thank you for joining us today. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, prayer requests, or just want to say hello, you can reach us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. We hope that this message was encouraging to all of our listeners. Have a blessed week.